0: Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Hulu. Did you know Hulu has live sports? Watch your favorite teams and the biggest games all season with no cable or satellite subscription required. Get over 60 live and on-demand channels, tons of shows and movies, and watch on the go on your favorite devices with Hulu plus live TV. Learn more at Hulu.com. Basketball is very good. The Wizards underpaid John Wall. AD should resign with the Pelicans. The Nets actually won the Celtics trade. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. Joining me today, as always, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Hello? Halu Getty. What's up? I'm Justin Verrier. Bobby Wagner is here as well. Haley, you wanted to start the show off, uh, right. <laughs>
1: there are a couple things that I said before the show that I know we can't say we now. Say so don't that. tempt me.
0: Uh, guys, when you were discussing Chris Ryan on email, what do you refer him as? To him as? That's a great question. Uh, is, it, is it balls? <laughs> 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 we are, of course, referring to the Los Angeles Time report that came out this morning that uh, a couple Lakers people, Jeannie Buss in particular, and, and some of the business people, I believe one is with MSG refers to Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, as Balls. With a, with a Z. With a Z. That's important. But sometimes S. But I agree with you that the Z is important. <laughs> because Balls with, with an S insinuates it's just kind of like a regular nickname. The Z is like, we're clearly
1: making fun, making of, fun him. of him. We're making yeah, yeah, fun of is, him. Yeah.
2: Would it be better if it was just with an S? Like, what, what, you know what I'm saying? Because like then it would look kind of
0: weird, too. Because <laughs> <you know? laughs> that's true. The literal definition does come into play in that regard. Yeah. So you, you don't refer to Chris's. All right. Bald. Our <laughs>
1: <bullshit>. <laughs> I want to read one particular quote. So these are like, a, this came in an email that was sent to another person. This is from Jeannie. Quote, didn't Ball see what we did to my brother? Question mark, question mark. What a gangster movie this is turning into like that gave me town vibes i just got (laughs) chills
0: yeah and now on the other side of things it does seem like based on some of the reporting and the whispers that are happening that balmer and i guess the state of california whoever would be involved in this sold the lot across from the forum to balmer i think and they told james dolan who owns the forum or the msg company that owns the forum that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't turn it into something that would be a direct competitor. It turns out that they want to build a stadium there that's a direct competitor to all the the, uh, music interests that Dolan wants to put into the forum or already has. And so there is a lot of shady things going on on both sides. But I have to say... Seeing it play out via email is is quite incredible. Seeing the punctuation being
2: sent from my iPhone makes it even like 10 times better. Cause oh, yeah. Because it, it, it's like, oh, these people are just like, just just texting on their iPhone and basically like deciding or talking about other franchises and such. And like, not to be like, I'm not trying to sound naive here because I'm sure this happens all the time in so many different forms. But to have it come out in this way, to punctuate a season that has just been from hell for the Lakers is just something else.
0: Yes. I, I think Kevin Arvis wrote a very good piece on ESPN recently that the, the Lakers just don't really have a, a good self-awareness, I guess is the best way to put it. They they still operate mm-hmm. as if they are the, the Lakers dynasty of the eighties. And very clearly they are not. As we have seen our guy Ivaka Subach, is our, our, our friend Jovan Buha Most pointed right out there. Uh, today in his lead that they fleece the Lakers for what is, it, it turns out is a, pretty capable starting center, yeah, uh, which I think is really interesting. Uh, all right, let's get to the, the actual show here, unless to, anyone else has any more balls talk they want to get oh, into. The balls. Um, so <laughs> the playoffs are coming up here, and this is kind of the theme of the show, so it really fits. We're, just kinda, we're, we're still thinking about a lot of things happening in the league uh, that just might not happen right away. I think the biggest one, believe it or not, even and still, they're, they're out of the playoffs, but the Lakers still fascinate me to this day. If only because I've been trying to think about what the Lakers do from here, which I guess is what everybody in the league is trying to figure out, including the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I am I was racking my brain, and I'm trying to figure out the math, and I just don't see how anything works via trade anymore, which feels pretty significant, and it doesn't feel like people are talking about this enough. So, um, yeah. The big things, obviously, are are both Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball were shut down for the rest of the season. Lonzo Ball seemed to be just the continuation of the injury that afflicted him over the past month or two of the mm-hmm. season. I could have sworn I saw a report or listened to a podcast in which they said that Lonzo probably could have come back uh, if there was something to play for. It wasn't like super serious. Do you believe that? I,
2: I, Yeah. If they were still going for the playoffs, I would assume that they would make a stronger push for him to get back on the court but i don't know it it seemed like the from the reporting it seemed like the ankle turned out to be worse than it was in terms of just and like that raises a lot of question about what why that what wasn't diagnosed in the first place but you know whatever right Mm -hmm. i i just don't think now obviously it's not even worth it to try and like you know bring him back at at all i think
1: that lonzo and then lebron's minutes restriction and the news that he's not probably not going to play in the second half of back to backs is much more of a waving a white flag after the news of Brandon Ingram because that's right. serious, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So Brandon Ingram, it, it was found that he had a blood clot in his shoulder. Uh, it's called DVT. I'm not totally sure what the what that means on a medical level, but but basically, it's pretty serious. Uh, blood clots have shown up pretty recently. Uh, Mirza Toledovich, I believe his career was ended as a result of that. Chris Bosh is probably the most significant example of that. Uh, now you've seen people say that those happen in their legs, which is different than their arms. Uh, and I read something recently, I forgot the source, so I apologize, but basically it, it helps specifically because of like basketball players are shooting and the shooting motion for some reason, it's like blood clotting is not as bad. Yeah. Uh, so I guess... The the big takeaway there is both Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram are not going to finish the season, and both of them go into a pretty critical offseason for the Lakers with injury concerns. The big thing here is that clearly both Ingram and Ball are their biggest trade assets.
1: I don't know if I would say Lonzo is a big injury concern.
0: I think he didn't finish both of his yeah, two seasons. Yeah, exactly. both seasons have cut off like a good bit. Like, oh, that's true. So I thought he meant it, in this yeah.
1: particular injury, but actually, you're right in the in the right. entirety of his career. Sure. that is.
0: Yeah, the injury itself. I don't know what will happen going forward, but he has been injury prone. Just uh, mm-hmm. seems like he's a bit. Uh, I don't want to call him frail, but like his his, his frame just doesn't yeah. seem like a, it. It like it's good. He's for always that. had he, like he hasn't had boy's a nice body,
2: right? I mean, he hasn't had a full summer to sort of work on getting like fully stronger because last summer he was he had the knee injury as well and again injury so that's a little problematic
0: right and in, in, in the offseason I think a lot of teams will just raise any sort of shred of doubt about a player in order to diminish their value sure. so they are ostensibly their biggest routes to getting a star player via trade and also the one thing that I was looking at is there the two biggest salaries on the Lakers books going forward outside of LeBron
1: that's insane
0: yeah. And so now you're stuck in the situation where
1: That's crazy. They're both on their rookie contracts.
0: Right. It's LeBron and then the rookie contracts. Which in
1: that sense you're kind of like, okay, so the Lakers like the one-year contracts that they all signed turned out horribly and didn't really offer much support, but now that they're going into the offseason clean. Mm-hmm. It seems in retrospect not as bad.
0: Yeah. And I it, guess
1: now that we've accepted that they're not making the playoffs, everything kind of seems not as bad. Uh, well, just, just in terms of of what they did for this season.
2: But the th- thing is, like, they could trade those guys because they were bigger contracts, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like in the middle of the season,
0: right? I, I guess what I'm I'm driving toward here is you have your two biggest chips are now diminished in in terms of value, presumably. Uh, And at the same time, if you need to do anything on the trade market, you need to trade them. Because the only other option you have is to loop guys in on sign-in trades. But that becomes particularly difficult because they can go anywhere they want. And so a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope, he has a $12 million deal. And so maybe he would do it. He would agree to be in the sign-in trade somewhere else for them to get like an Anthony Davis uh, in order to get that raise. But at the same time, he has to agree... To go to the New Orleans Pelicans mm-hmm. at a time when they're just rebuilding. And New Orleans Pelicans have to agree to pay him to an exorbitant salary in order to make all of this work. would be
1: shocked if they trade, if they engage in trade talks with the Lakers.
0: The Pelicans, too?
1: Yeah, going forward. Would you?
2: Well, they need leverage. They need to get, like, they need bidders this summer for sure.
0: Yeah, I could see them definitely looping back, them back into the mix. But I guess I'm wondering, like, how does a deal even get struck between them? Because the package going back to the to the, the Pelicans yeah, looks worse than ever. Yeah, Two weeks ago, it looked like it was going to be better because Ingram is starting to show yeah. sort of signs of being that number two pick again. And maybe he ultimately becomes that. But are you really going to trade for something where the Senate priest is a guy that, like, there's a non-zero possibility that he won't be able to play Like in his career? Yeah. Well, let's
1: play devil's advocate and say that they decide that they aren't going to trade Davis. mm -hmm. He's not the kind of player who's going to sit out. And honestly, like for the length of his contract that's remaining, he can't afford it in his career. He needs needs to play the next two years. He can't just sit them out.
0: So you're saying Davis has to go somewhere this summer?
1: No, what I'm saying is that he would not sit out. He's not the type to sit out, I don't think, if Mm -hmm. they were like, look, we're not trading you. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it seems really complicated going forward. Um, let's talk about the Lakers just specifically before we get on to the Davis thing because I do want to talk about that. Uh, what happens? Like, yeah. are it's, there any other options here that I'm just like missing? So obviously though, the, the option
2: is to, and really the plan is to acquire, to trade for a superstar and and then sign another in free agency. Mm-hmm. But As the season, as the year has gone on, you get more of these sort of certainties, if you will, as much as you can get them before actual free agency of like, oh, well, if, you know, if KD leaves the Warriors, he's not going to L.A. Like, Mm -hmm. if Kyrie leaves the Celtics, he's probably not going to L.A. Like, and then you start going, yeah, if Kawhi leaves Toronto, he's probably not going to the Lakers specifically. Yeah, and the Clippers are operating very much like
0: Kawhi's basically there
2: yeah exactly and 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 and, so is
0: vegas
2: (laughs) right sure so you start seeing these options sort of fall off the board and you're i I like like i'm with you i just don't see what they do like are they they're probably gonna end up with like what jimmy butler i don't know how you feel about that if they if they can get like jimmy butler and then somehow still trade for davis or wait until he becomes a free agent and then sign him which is another sort of like black hole to dive into like I, I guess that turns out okay but Jimmy Miller
1: is worst case scenario for a, uh, for, a, yeah, for a star that they
2: could sign 100% like Chris Middleton would probably work better next to LeBron than, than Jimmy Baller at this point
0: yeah and I think that's what you're looking at here because it doesn't seem like the trade route is all that viable I started even looking at guys who come up in 2021 just to see if like maybe one of them would would pull a Kyrie and sure. start to start to force their way out the, the pickings are pretty slim it's Giannis who, I mean, why would you leave pretty much the best team in the league right now? Uh, Bradley Beal, definitely an option. I could definitely see that happening at some point. Although the Wizards are kind of turning the keys over to him. And he's going to have pretty yeah. much, I mean, he's going to have the team to himself in Washington. And, and he I, said before, and he's, he's saying, not the kind yeah, he's of person right- to
1: ever like force a trade. Right, Right. He doesn't believe in player team creation. So that would have to entirely be on the Washington front office to decide that they want to completely start over. And I just can't see them doing that. They held on to that big three through so much Mm -hmm. and then finally decided to let one piece of it go. And the two pieces you have left, you really only have one. We (laughs) don't know what John Wall is, but his stock has completely just, Plummeted.
2: As a quick aside, do you think we're going to get to a point where like scouting reports have that now, where it's like, (laughs) is this guy a pro player? Team creation here, or is he more of a like do it yourself kind of like? Hey, I I I wouldn't be surprised. I'm kind of joking, but it's also like very yeah, exactly. Like they
0: they look at makeup and The more that I hear from people around the league is that uh, digging into some of those uh, personality, I guess, scouting reports is definitely more of a thing. I know that like uh, one team in particular actually researches how certain guys play together and not only in terms of matching lineups, but in terms of like filling out their roster. So, and now you're seeing guys like Lee Jenkins go to the Clippers. And one of the big things that we've heard from there is just that he knows the right guys for some of these superstars. So if you want to get in with those superstars and know those superstars, well, Lee has direct experience with tracking down the guys closest to them. Yeah. So I do think that that is the case. Right. Right. Do we believe Bradley Beal when he say that he's not going to like create a super team? I would I, if if he,
1: well he said, he didn't say he wouldn't create one in Washington, but he begrudgingly he wouldn't go to one. He said he wouldn't go. He mm. said during before All Star begrudgingly that he was like, well, I guess I have to recruit. I've never been in this position before, and I don't really like how the league is trending, but I have to do it. That's what you have to do to win. Bradley mm-hmm. Beal, how strikes successful me, he'll be is like a yeah, different. Question. He strikes
2: me as somebody who just literally wants to play basketball and doesn't care like about much of anything else like i don't want to like diminish his like you know interest or whatever but like it it honestly seems like he's just fine playing basketball (laughs) which like guys
1: (laughs) are outspoken about that in that way um there's a way of like walking around it we've seen carl anthony towns do it and even anthony davis do it like saying that they want to stay and i think even Giannis had a quote like this where it's basically like no i want to stay here but like things have to go right
0: Yeah, You know,
1: they've all had quotes that kind of say that. Like, I'm definitely paraphrasing, and it was not that blunt. mm -hmm. Whereas the guys like Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan are guys who have outright said, no, like, I don't believe in that. And they don't talk about doing what's best for them.
0: Yeah. I could definitely see a situation in which Beal starts to get frustrated because Wall is out for an entire year, entire calendar year. And you look around the rest of the team. Isn't that
1: preferable for him? I'm serious. Like I I genuinely think that he enjoys playing more without him. He's more successful without him statistically. He looks like he's having more fun playing without him.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think individually it's way better for him. But in terms of just like success... I, mm-hmm. I don't know like what they have around Beal at this point to, to even compete. If because, they don't do uh,
1: anything this summer, then that's a huge disappointment.
0: And they have a lot of lot of free agents that are they're in the starting lineup. I'm looking at it right now. Trevor Ariza, I believe, is a free agent. Bobby Portis, I believe, is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Zataransky, I think, is mm-hmm. a restricted maybe or just a regular free agent. Uh, Thomas Bryant, our guy, just Another fucking along. I think he had twenty one and ten last night. Incredible, just off the bench. Double double machine. I Lakers mean, could use him. It's pretty much going to be Brad and, and Jabari Parker. So I, I guess that's a long way of saying that I think there's a situation where where Bradley Beal could be the next frustrating sure. star. Uh, just the rest of the list is Damian Lillard, who. He's getting up similar. there in age, but I, and I don't see him doing it. Just the same point you were Lillard making about is the Beal. Kind of, It's the same yeah, kind of vibe, as, um, outlook that feels is the like at least giving off right now. Also, right. Portland's very good, <laughs> yeah, way <Portland's laughs> better good. than the Lakers. Right, Uh Holiday and
1: LeBron is actually a team that I. That's something I would sign up for. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, and I, that's a good pair. And it sounds like LeBron is a fan, um, and Victor Oladipo, who's coming off an injury, so uh, mm-hmm. it, we don't know where we get there. It seems like the Lakers, at least their core, is what they are. Like, going forward next year, I'm I'm at this point, like, there are things that happen that we just don't foresee. Porzingis going to Dallas being a shining example of this. I don't see how the Lakers right now change themselves all that much besides just, like, adding one player on top of it. The one thing I would
2: say is maybe LeBron turns on recruiting mode and, like, goes to Kyrie and Kawhi and maybe even KD and is like, hey, like... And, and like really sells them on it because he knows he has to. Like that's the only thing I could see that that could sort of flip this around and I I for one I'm like not going to doubt LeBron is capable of that but mm-hmm. at the same
0: time it does look pretty bleak. And do we think that there's one guy in particular that would do that? I mean Kyrie Kyrie, makes... Kyrie would 100% be the guy to do that. Lately, do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, lately
1: it yeah. seems like and the when they recently played when the Lakers played the Celtics, they had that they did their old handshake after the game, and then they did the jersey thing where they talk forever. Yeah, I always I think that. it looks like they just think something really smells.
0: Yeah, or like, for like, 15, like
1: 15 seconds on the broadcast.
0: Paulo like, you know, like, <laughs> is 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 miming this for us yeah, right now, exactly. committing to the bit.
1: LeBron, like he does that often with players, but actually, like I think back to when he did it with uh, Lonzo mm-hmm. yeah. before he went to the Lakers. AD before AD requested his trade, so.
0: Oh, you think this is a telltale? This is like a, oh, wow. a, a poker is, tell. Yeah, I'm yeah just this saying, is like rounders. It's, it's, like a, the it's Oreo. a good
1: sign. I also, um, I don't know why they feel the need to do that. Like if you, you must have such a not close relationship that you can't just like text them to hang out after.
0: <laughs> that's the thing I always
2: wonder You're about. Like, like what yeah. do they actually away? have to talk you know, about? It's all about the showmanship, guys. Come on. Like, it's about like <laughs> being in how front how of the I know cameras. That LeBron
1: is messy and loves drama.
2: And that's why I know he's <laughs> Yeah, really 100%. Good like, it's about being in front of the cameras and like, letting everybody know oh we're talking but we don't want everybody else out there to know what we're talking about or or like yeah, because really to prevent the saying readers. like
1: hey have you ever thought about coming to the Lakers <laughs> <laughs> like after the game and the Kyrie's like that's crazy I have thought about it like he's just
2: saying like, they're probably game. just talking about like where they're gonna go to dinner after yeah it's like yeah. yeah.
0: what are you thinking steak yeah pizza yeah
2: uh, <laughs> <try this.
0: laughs> Uh, so I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm just confounded by this entire situation. Just to go over some of like the free agent options, it gets pretty bleak after. So the So hold ball. on, I, okay. I just want to
1: say this before you mm-hmm. list those because that will put those in this context. I think that their best case scenario, if they are going to trade Lonzo and Ingram, is to trade them for the kind of um, like filled out roster of role players that we see like on the Clippers now, mm. and then to sign a star. I don't think it's. I don't think they're going to pull off two stars.
0: So wow. similar to what the Cavs did in that last LeBron season, but just like better players, just yeah. high value role players,
1: right? Yeah. Because those two packaged together. I mean, Ingram. That's the thing. Is like the Pelicans might be worried about the blood clots and like they should be worried about the blood clots and balls injury history. Other teams that are just giving up role players might be more willing. Yeah, high caliber role players.
2: I mean, if you really want to sort of commit to the LeBron window like hard then you go and maybe go for like a Mike Conley in the trade. You know what I'm saying? Because he's going to be Oh, that's built. interesting. Right. You know? I like that. Right. right. And like I, that would be fun because Conley is a great point guard who would be a And I guess I, I should well include him in LeBron. stars but
1: that's kind of what I meant. Yeah. I meant a guy who you wouldn't think like not the flashy right. names that we're about to bring yeah, up.
2: Yeah, like sort of you know, come up with a package for Conley, and you know, because the Grizzlies are going to deal him. It sounds like sooner rather than later. So, you know, I don't know. That's maybe an option. And you sign again. Maybe you end up with Jimmy Butler, Mike Conley, and LeBron. Not terrible.
0: <laughs> it definitely commits to to a certain window. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you Which really is have his to window. There's only the pr-
1: one window. That's, that's the thing. The Lakers yeah. don't have an option for another window because they chose a person mm-hmm. as their franchise mm-hmm. for the next four years. Right. So this is their window. That's you know? the problem.
2: Yeah, they're they they, they are balancing identities and that's why the season sort of... I mean, Right, because
1: they don't have... They, they realize they don't have time anymore for a Ball and Ingram to catch up. And it seems mm-hmm. like Ingram was actually going to catch up, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah.
2: I, mean, well, I think you try to keep him. For- I think at this point, like I don't know what you could get for him given the situation. I think you probably try to keep keep him and then maybe try to deal with the other guys. Right.
0: Yeah. You, I it, and I probably should have said this at the jump, but like it, it gets a little gross when we're talking about... Ingram, like, is he diminished simply because of my yeah. disease? But like, I mean, this is a this is a reality to that the Lakers have to face at this point. Um but you know, we we all wish for the best for for young yeah, Brandon. Definitely. Oh yeah, that, of course. It's scary. Yeah. Um But tangential to that discussion is obviously the A D thing, which Haley you were getting at earlier. Again, where is he going? <laughs> I think this yeah. one, I think there are a lot more options, but it does feel like we're in this place where We settled on this reality based on the fallout of the trade deadline. And now I'm starting to rethink it. And I'm like, wait, how does this, this, and this happen? And now if Kyrie leaves Boston and goes to New York or goes to the Lakers.
1: This seems inevitable.
0: Which seems likely at this point.
1: Uh, I don't know why the franchise would want him back. I don't know why he would want to go back.
2: I still think the East is at a point where we're not 100% sure of any team and thus. Like if the Celtics to get to the finals, and like I, I don't think they can obviously beat the Warriors, but if they sort of give them a, a tough series, like I don't, I don't, I could see like Kyrie being like, okay, like
1: with some postseason I'll, yeah, I'll success, say, you
0: know, like yeah, there's a lot to be decided, yeah, here. And, sure. and like guys have definitely been wooed back based on playoff success mm-hmm. and, and all this other stuff, yeah. So I should say we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie, but let's just assume sure. that he ends up leaving. Um, so the Lakers are. Functionally out, I think. I think because of all like the the clash between the front offices, and as like we just kind of talked about with Lonzo and Ingram, would the Celtics be willing to deal Tatum at that point, knowing that you would really only have AD and whatever you can kind of cobble they together?
1: They shouldn't. They R- definitely shouldn't, right? Because think about it. We with with Kyrie Irving and the Gordon Hayward that they traded for, they are a win now team. Mm-hmm. They are right now. This is what we have team. Not anymore. That's if Kyrie leaves and Gordon Hayward is this, no. Like you're you have then you have A D. Then you've just I would keep Tatum.
0: And now they've been lusting after A D for years. Yeah. And I don't think they've really veiled that all that much. No. Um so maybe they're just like, This is this guy is just too good. We just want him in our system and we'll figure it out later. Okay. I,
1: I'll add an addendum. I would not just get A D. They'd have to have something else coming in.
0: Yeah. I
2: mean, yes and no. Like, I think a team... Or Are you saying in this scenario, Kyrie leaves?
1: Yes. With Kyrie gone.
2: Yeah, that's a bigger... That's obviously a huge risk.
0: Yeah. And we don't know if Horford's going to come back. He has a player option. Right. So it'd be AD, let's just say, theoretically, AD. Horford, maybe. You'd probably keep Jalen. You'd probably bring back Rozier if you didn't have to trade yeah, him. probably. That's still a good team. It reminds me of, like, you would essentially switch from we're building a dynasty to we're doing the the maasai Kawhi move of let's get him into our 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 program and then maybe we convince him Mm -hmm. to stay. And then if
2: he leaves, I mean, well, I guess that's the thing, right? Is if you're sending Tatum, then it it becomes like a weird sort of like half rebuild that you have left of like a couple young guys like Jalen, well, just Jalen really, and then like rosier and smart and this kind of band of other guys
1: i think that that's why the ad trade just depends on so many things it depends on if he is sincere when he would when he said that he was open to other teams would he give a verbal commitment to another franchise would he give a soft verbal commitment would he say like i'll at least give you guys a chance and honestly like their ownership kind of has to play into this too like it's Justin, you know more about this than me because you covered the beat for so long, but mm-hmm. their change in ownership and then it seems like they've had some issues within that family. It just seems like ownership also might have a lot to do with their willingness to trade to the Lakers.
0: Yeah, uh, and the thing you hear from there is is just... Uh, it, well, one thing is it seems like it's galvanized the fan base to really push back on the Lakers in the way that they have. And I don't know if you want to, to kind of wash away the goodwill that's come as a result of that, as we talked plenty of times at this point, that they've had difficulties kind of building a fan base from in that market. Um, I think just, I, I know Tom Benson in particular was was a bit, I don't want to say hot-headed, but, you know, he could run hot a little bit. And in, in business negotiations specifically, he was known as being cutthroat. I don't really have a good read on Gale. I would assume, based on how everything has played out, the way that that Clutch is kind of uh, strong-armed the organization, how a lot of the, the executives come from the football side of things and they don't really take kindly to that in football. I would assume that, that they would want to get rid of him regardless. Yeah. But you're seeing this momentum here, and I think this is what we're kind of getting at here. Is there a route where they just re-sign him? <laughs> because yeah, if, the, if the Celtics are out and the Lakers are out, you're starting to get into a situation where you're in Kawhi territory, essentially where unless a team really wants to bowl you over and you just need to get rid of him, what if you just kept him in house, said to him, with all this cap space that we have, pick any guy on this list that you want. We'll bring him here. And it's you, Drew, and let's say Jimmy Butler.
1: Even if he doesn't resign. I
0: that team. That's a fun
2: team.
1: <laughs> Even if he doesn't resign, they have so much time to then trade him.
0: Yeah, he doesn't and, even have to commit
2: long term. He just too, needs to commit for the season.
1: It is too
2: what, what a what a finish to this entire <laughs> like, shit show. That would st- be. I
1: don't think this is like completely unrealistic either. I was thinking about this too because <sighs> you're not going to tell a, pl- a player in his prime, okay. Well, you have to stay here. So what? You're going to sit the next two years? There's mm-hmm. no way. He's not going to give up two years.
0: And there's precedent here is the thing that I'm driving toward because Dwight Howard was basically a Brooklyn Net. And the story goes that he was telling his teammates on the team plane that he was ready to leave, that the trade was basically finalized. But everyone was getting along and they had his favorite candies or whatever that story is. (laughs) And he ended up staying. Now, he didn't stay long term. He ended up going the following year to the Lakers.
1: And AD does seem very impressionable. And he that's does. the thing. He seems very well, impressionable. The
0: thing I hear about AD is like, there's definitely a lot of Dwight in him. And I just, I, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't mean to to cast him in that light. I think if anything, everyone will talk about like what a, what a sweet, gentle person he is. But I just think he is so far in over his head that he's saying all these things in the interviews. He's making himself look like the villain. He's listening to LeBron. He's listening to clutch I just don't think that he's really I, I just don't think he has the experience, like, quite frankly, life experience or just the experience in this business in the spotlight against like some of these harsh criticisms that he's facing that he's like thinking clearly.
1: Right. The image backfire could really affect him.
0: And that was one of the big driving forces you saw in him going to clutch to begin with because he saw or people around him. In particular, his father, who is a very a a big personality, uh, they saw him. They saw Giannis getting these shoe deals with Nike and getting love from Nike. They thought that he didn't uh, get the same shine. He wasn't getting cast in Space Jam two, maybe. (laughs) But coded property. It it just, it just, (laughs) it just (laughs) seems like it, it seems like he might be
2: able to be swayed. I don't know. Man, I don't know. That would be crazy. I It would be hilarious for one. But also just like, I just don't see it because I don't think he would ever, like he's so far in one direction. He's already committed so hard to that one path of getting out of there that I don't think that, like you said, maybe the people who are influencing him, influencing him would let him even sort of go down that other, like Well, right. Around.
1: That's the point. Like he's already working with Clutch Sports, which means like, yeah, he's working with LeBron already. Mm-hmm. He's in the same...
2: Like network, if he's you He's in will. the same
1: network as him. Exactly. Sure. So yeah, exactly what you're saying, Paolo. They might be in such close proximity to him that they wouldn't...
0: He's in too deep. He's yeah, in too he's deep. in too deep. He's off Guys, the deep end. it's never too late to say you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one thing I've learned about the NBA in yeah. 10 years. No, I just... I, I, I don't think... I think there's a non-zero possibility that, that he could end up staying just given what i know about him and just the situation that's playing out but if not in the pelicans who? who who
1: right we have to think about the tricky teams that kind of sneak up and do and pull these trades yeah. when we don't expect it that aren't the celtics um which is like you know the thunder sure the raptors mhm um the spurs
0: Spurs, that's one that I have listed there. Spurs would be fun. Spurs I would enjoy fine. that. And if Danny Ferry is still in charge, he has a long history with the Spurs organization. Um, it's a little difficult to come up with like the proper contracts, the match, because the two guys you would probably be looking to move are Damar and Aldridge. And Damar is, I think, 29, and I think Aldridge is 33. So it doesn't really fit. But I guess if yeah. you wanted to hard reboot immediately, you basically just do what the Spurs did with Kawhi you bring in Damar and like a like a prospect and all of a sudden you you go forward with that and Drew Nick's straight up for uh, Mitchell Robinson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, I think he's
0: untouchable. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm according, sorry, I forgot. According <laughs> to James Dolan, as he was reading, did you watch this clip of Dolan on um on I think it was WFAN or No, it was the other one, whatever station. I don't know, New York. Uh, <laughs> but he was he was talking about Like the guys on his team that have so much promise, but they do that thing where they have the video on the the podcast, like the on the I was gonna call it a podcast (laughs) on on the radio segment being filmed, and he's like he's he's reading off a paper. It's like, oh, Mitchell Robinson and um, Kevin Knox, (laughs) (laughs) Robinson, leasing off like block
2: percentages and all this. He definitely had no
0: idea who Kevin Knox was (laughs) until that day. (laughs)
2: That's that's worrisome, but. The Knicks would it be great. Like, let that if you, if they're going to end up with at least a rant, again, it goes like this concept of, like, the window shifting, right? Where you have a young team right now, and you're not sure what the identity of the team is or whatever. But once you get a star like that, you push the window forward, like, to, to now. And that causes stress on the young, like we've seen with the Lakers, on the young guys. So, might as well double down on that and see if you can package those young guys for somebody else.
0: Right. And they do have a good collection of these young guys. The Knicks do. They have Knox. They have Dennis Smith Jr. They have Nikola. They have fine like fine. Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's about as good as they
1: had a good young guy.
0: Yeah, it's about Where'd as go? good as oh, Dallas the Lakers. If you're considering that all the like the potential risk involved there now, and probably not as good as the Celtics package, even if you take Tatum off the table. But if the first, if the like the number one pick comes and you're willing to deal that. That's pretty damn good. It's probably the best asset on the table. Even if it's like a top 4 pick, plus yeah. those guys? Yeah. Pretty good. If it's
2: the if it's the, if it's Zion, if it's the number 1 pick, like the Pelicans should 100% do it. What would,
1: franchises are you would you guys give a pass to deal the number 1 pick knowing that it would be Zion Williamson? What well, do you mean? What franchises do you think it's like a legit thing for them to say, "Okay, like great, we're going to put this in a trade and seriously not draft him?"
0: Well, I think this is the perfect example. Yeah, would you trade Zion for Anthony Davis?
2: I would a hundred percent. Like, it's not even a question to me. Like to me, I don't think you can take something that you already know is arguably a top five player in the NBA and be like, "Oh no, we're not going to trade for that guy" because we think that Zion. And yeah, like there is a chance I that think Zion it depends
1: is, on the team. If you're the Hawks, it you totally do it? depends the on aren't the team. Ready to no, win no, no, now. they're it not. They're, they don't have the timeline for agreed. AD.
2: It totally depends on the team. I'm talking about if you're if you're the Knicks and if you're. A team that has a star ready and that is pushing that window. There's no like I don't even I, I'm dumbfounded by the comparisons of like, oh, I, you can't trade Zion for essentially number Wait, Zion the number one pick Zion for AD star
1: pushing
2: that window. Well, if they get Kevin Durant. Right. Okay. Like we all sort of expect. Oh, it sure. To happen, okay. Right? No, yeah,
1: absolutely. If they so get Kevin Durant, okay. I
2: you already know, you already it's not like this known quantity is some like, oh, fringe like 20 top 20 player. It's like Anthony Davis, the top five. Arguably top five player in the NBA. Why would you trade that for a chance at seeing if Zion is like the next? Right, you know whatever. It's cost their certainty. Next. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just you you already know what you're getting in one in one in, in one area, and then you know what if like I I think we're also working on this sort of. Basis that like Zion is has no chance to like be a bust, which I don't think is true. Like there's very much a possibility he's not as good as we're all sort of making him out to be. Mm-hmm. I had
1: a scout tell me before the season started that he thought RJ Barrett was going to be far superior in the league.
2: Well, it's just a, yeah. I and mean, the, the way the league yeah. is, the way the league is going, it's bad.
0: Take <laughs> <laughs> <All time. laughs> that did not work out well. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I the more I think about it, like maybe the Celtics can get this done even without putting Tatum in the deal like I think about the do you remember the first did you guys watch Succession Yes, yes. Um, the first episode where, uh, what's the the son's name? Kendall. Kendall is is like he can't get the deal done and eventually he just gets really like resolute. He's like, I'm going to stuff you so full of uh, full of stock options that you're, you're yeah, not going to be yeah, able to, yeah. whatever. That reminds me of like the Celtics and all their draft picks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, we're just going <laughs> to yeah, give yeah. you so many first round <laughs> right, picks right. that you cannot say no to this. <laughs> I like how Kendall is uh, Danny Ainge in this situation. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about actual basketball teams playing actual basketball. All right, we're back. Our producer wants us to talk about Spencer Din- Dinwiddie for tw- uh, fifty minutes. I believe was his request. But we're going to rage against the establishment and talk about some deep cut teams here, uh, specifically <laughs> the Warriors and the Houston More Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so the, the Rockets and the Warriors played last night. the The Rockets lost that game at home. I believe it was that was the only loss to the Warriors mm-hmm. this they season. So they uh, se- them. them in the season. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good for our guys. Uh, Demarcus Cousins looked incredible at times. <laughs> Although he yeah,
1: looked incredible, We looked like so slow.
0: Yes, and there was even a stat last night. Uh, I believe it was ESPN Stats and Info that was like they played at like a ninety-one pace when he was in the game, but like almost a hundred when he was not.
2: It's all about variety. It's all about it. It's all about perspective. If, if if the points are going in,
0: yes, and I guess it. I thought two things about this. One, I thought it was a good sign that Steve Kerr was clearly leaning into Demarcus Cousins and what he did. It l- reminded me a lot of the way Pop kind of manu- like changed up his offense a little bit to work Lamarcus Aldridge back in after he tried to force him to be who he wanted him to be, and they had that nice little coming, coming to Jesus moment. Um, and they ran a lot of post-ups, which Kerr doesn't often do. So on the one hand, that's good. On the other hand, it did feel like it took a conscious effort in order to work Cousins into what they do. Which I wonder if Kevin Durant plays, which he didn't last night. I wonder if that's a little bit more. Difficult. I think it's a
1: situation where it's nice to have him, but he'll never that part of the game will never be their focus.
2: I don't know. I, I think Carl likes playing that way. Like I think we think of him as like posting the, up with, with cousins. Yeah, I, I think there's an appeal to it that 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 maybe, you know, the people who are in the camp of just give the ball to Steph and let's go mm-hmm. or not a fan of but like if you're thinking about Kerr as not just a coach but a manager of people right it's the other side of his job it makes sense that he uses a regular season game to sort of boost DeMarcus's confidence like that's maybe all it could be that's a great right? point yep. and I think that's fine like that's just how the Warriors are going to have to treat the rest of the regular season because they can't seem to get up for a lot of games they'll always get up for the Rockets I think because it's just there, there's a there's a thing there, mm-hmm. um, and just to see Cousins sort of take on this role and and show that he can still more or less have a big influence on a game is good for his confidence and it's good for you know them going forward. I think because they they might come across a matchup where they're actually going to need him,
1: where they need him in the playoffs, and that's what yeah. he came for, right? So that's keeping him happy. All yeah. he wants to do is showcase what he can do, so we can sign a contract next summer. Right.
2: We, I will say though, that may tie to the another point where it's like, at what point is that? Costing your
0: core, the core values of your team that had taken
2: you to these to t- uh, these finals and whatnot, like
0: because it, Kerr has been reluctant to your point of running pick and roll with yeah, Steph and KD, exactly because that's just not what they do. It's more of a motion ball movement offense. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, so I don't know. I just I maybe trying to do too many things at once. Right, trying to keep the Marcus happy. Trying to sort of fit him into the system is another process that they're taking on and they can't take it on because they have so much talent but does that at some point get conflicting like I guess that's the question we're all trying
0: to answer it's a big it's a big mess it's a big big old jambalaya yeah. <laughs> is what I would say and going back to what we were talking about last week that Steph quote where he was basically like yeah we should probably be figuring this thing out by now I, I think that was really telling and it just seems like there's a lot of moving parts going on here I guess the optimistic side of that is that what Haley said, like this, is why they brought Demarcus in in the first place. If he only plays against the Rockets, that's a good signing because Demarcus was a was a killer against the Rockets last season. He, I think, he tore his Achilles against the Rockets after coming off of a triple double. Like he yep. just, he just has the perfect combination of heft to really kind of go at Capella without sacrificing uh, some of the shooting and, and playmaking that you need. Um, because the Rockets are always going to be smaller than most teams.
2: Yeah. He's also an interesting matchup with the Thunder and
0: Steven Adams, too.
2: Yeah, that like how that, yeah, how true. that is going to pan out. So, there you go. Those are
0: two probably two most threatening teams right now. Now, my conspiracy theory is this. The Rockets oh, sat this. Nene last night. And Mike D'Antoni, if you look at some of the quotes, uh, specifically the ones from Tim McMahon's game story last night, it was basically like... Yeah, we think Nene would, would do a good job against him. And Nene is obviously a much more physical player, a bigger player. Do you think that they rested him specifically in order to not show them what they could do against Boogie? Yes. Yeah. 100%. It's
2: it's all right? a chess match with these teams now. like Because they expect to find themselves...
1: Oh my god. And you wouldn't agree with me that it was a good idea for Ben to start
2: <laughs> shooting? No, get that.
1: No, I'm oh good. my god. That is
2: completely different. Is so oh hurt my right goodness. Now. No. Um but <laughs> Wow,
1: <laughs> Sorry, I'm I got, really want to talk about this. Halfway. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Let's table it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean I I could totally see them doing that. Like we try to take so much out of these games, but really they're the the coaches are probably like one step ahead of us and, and trying to sort of plan for the games
0: that actually matter. So I could totally see that happening.
1: And the Rockets know that they can beat them.
0: Yeah. Yes, they've already shown in the in the three games mm-hmm. that they can They can kind of hang there. Um, well, let's talk about the Rockets briefly here.
1: I want to mention that Nene also didn't play the game before, so I'm with
0: your Ooh, conspiracy.
2: Theory. Yeah,
1: I did. didn't look that up. He didn't play against the Hornets.
0: Look at that. Look at that.
1: A little research. I love it. <laughs>
2: So it. Nene... <laughs> a, little read, a little in, in the middle of the bottom
0: research.
1: <laughs> a, little, a little analytics. You can't get this everywhere.
0: <laughs> the people on, on Reddit will, will love it that we actually look something up for a change. Um, so, so Nene... <laughs> 33-year-old Nene...
1: No, he's 36.
0: Is he 36? There's no
1: way he's uh, thirty six? <laughs> no ways.
0: To undercut what we just talked <laughs> about, my internet my internet wasn't working, so I just made up his age. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Google Nene, Nene leaks comes out. I
2: don't know who that is,
0: but just throw Aww. throw, throw you, that. So thirty six year old Nene is the key to beating the Warriors, is what we're saying. That's the NBA in 2019. <laughs> <And> that's how we go. i love to see it.
1: That's kind of been like, I mean, that's honestly kind of been the rocket season is like finding weird ways to make players work,
2: though.
0: No, you know Because what, they're not yeah. sure
1: what's going to happen.
0: That's a great point. You know what the, who's
1: going to stay healthy.
2: Right. I think the actual player that is more important than everybody else is Chris Paul, who's had like a better, like he's looked really good. I, Watching him, in, since he returned from the injury, he's been just very like smooth and very Chris Paul-y, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh, like, yeah, you're really good. And it's yeah. like I, you almost forget about that. And I think, obviously, the way Game 7 ended you know, with Paul having a hamstring injury and whatnot, like, hey, maybe that's the sort of deciding factor there.
0: Yes, although uh, a, a distinguished NBA blogger Jonathan Charks would would vehemently disagree with you. And I was getting into an argument with Danny Chow in the office yesterday because I I agree with you, Paulo, that mm-hmm. I think that even though Paul has hasn't looked right, especially over the past couple games, I think just the breadth of like his entire game and like certain moments have been really key that show that like how important he is to this team. I thought last yeah. night was the prime example of that where they needed a bucket late, he basically was just like, I'm mm-hmm. going to get this this yeah. basket and just buried his way down at the rim and got an and one and all of a sudden it's a game. Yeah, they have game. two guys
1: that can do that. Right. And the, the fact of the matter is, is James Harden has a way of falling asleep in the playoffs.
0: Well, it's and so even, he may yeah. be very
1: important. But I think we'll actually find out Chris Paul's importance when the inevitable health issues arise. He's at a certain age. He's coming off a hamstring injury. He missed twenty three games this season. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way he stays healthy throughout the entire postseason. Or
2: or, or could,
1: it feels good enough to stay on right. the court for the entirety of of games. Yeah, I, everything I, intensifies. I that's just don't, true. I just don't see him. I just don't see this keeping up. And he's like you said, he's already not like a hundred percent himself.
0: Yeah, some of some of the numbers have diminished. Uh, he's definitely, he doesn't have the same burst as he has before. But I just think there's like, there's a certain headiness that he has mm-hmm. that that just really has defined his NBA career. And it, it shows up in times like late in that game.
2: It's a nice contrast to the way Harden plays because Harden is obviously very efficient, but he's also kind of.
1: He's not efficient though.
2: Well, in the sense that he's taking threes and kill shots to the laps. Like it, he's, yeah. he's, he's he's a very specific he's type of like player.
1: He's shot like 25% over the last like right. 10 games.
2: But the manner in which he plays is almost like purposefully lethargic. Whereas like Chris Paul, when you watch him play, there's like an intensity to, to the way he plays. And also within that intensity a control of the game that Harden, it, you know, that's not his game. So it's a nice sort of contrast to that, that I think would help them in, a, in a, when the game slowed down in the
0: playoffs. Yeah. And I think the one thing I came away thinking about the Rockets from that game last night is just, uh, in addition to the fact that they're hiding Nene, who's the key to their success in the NBA finals, <laughs> Is just how many reliable guys they have on that roster, especially now. I think like I almost, like they don't have the Ariza like kind of B-level guy. Sure. But they just have a lot of solid dudes is is what I would describe them as. Shump, Gerald Green, Eric Gordon, um, Austin Rivers. Yeah. They just See, like Austin do Rivers. exactly what you need.
1: I would almost disagree with you uh, with everyone on that list except for, what did you say, PJ Tucker?
0: I didn't say talk about you. You definitely P.J. Tucker, deserves Maybe Austin awesome Rivers,
1: but like Eric Gordon's had an up and down, sh- very, he's, he's been streaky for two years straight now. Mm-hmm. I would not put Shumpert in that boat as like a solid, reliable guy. And while I think that we underestimated what Gerald Green could be to the team two years ago when they signed him, I think that that might be overestimating him a little bit. I don't think that that's somewhat, I don't think that those are like playoff guys, deep, deep playoff guys.
0: I see your point. I would I would disagree, and if only because they're just like veterans who would be able to hit open shots, which is really all you need from these guys. Yeah. I, I the one thing I did notice last night in particular was how much bigger the Warriors are. Good lord! Like even like not including Cousins, you're basically the the, the Rockets' base lineup is like three guards almost all the time. Four at some points if you really want to go super small with Tucker. Mm-hmm. And now that's an advantage, and they played that to their advantage a lot of times, especially last season. But if you're putting cousins in there, it's your front line is basically cousins, Green and Durant, all of whom are bigger than PJ Tucker. Yeah. Like PJ Tucker might be as big as Clay Thompson, maybe not from like a growth right. standpoint, but like just from like an overall physical standpoint, uh, they they can just crush them. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing I was thinking about too. You know, while
2: watching this game and sort of seeing what was happening, is Durant is the ultimate trump card for this series because. He there's probably nobody on the Rockets who can, you know, they can probably like limit him to what, 25, 28, but nobody is going to stop him just because of his sheer size and and the way he scores. And I think that's where you see a game like last night, it's close, it ends up almost being a win for the Rockets without Durant. I think Mm -hmm. that game would be like a 15-point game if if Durant had played.
0: Yeah. And we're at this point in the season where I don't know what's real and what's not. Like, do we really put a lot of stock in this win they didn't have Durant. They didn't have Nene. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude. Like, how much? You're really is, going with that? How much were the first three matchups indicative of what's going to happen? And how much is this? I, I think about that a lot when I'm watching these days. And I think this is kind of leading to where we all are as like a basketball viewing community, where it's just like, does this matter? I think
1: the Rockets have changed <laughs> more matter? than the Warriors have, even though the Warriors have incorporated.
2: Yeah, I've yeah, in,
1: incorporated Boogie because they've had you know the injury issues throughout, and then they've gone with this rotating cast of like nobodies and um. Oh, shout out Daniel House who they just yeah. signed Daniel House, Congrats. yeah, huge. It's justice, he, He's finally. back. <laughs> actually, actually, I think he is
0: important. But. I, I have yeah. to be honest. I I couldn't tell you one thing about Daniel House. Like I I know his impact on the team. Just like. Seeing him sure. hit a three every so often, but like if you're saying like, "Oh, he will do this specifically i I, I got nothing for you,
2: but you it's just, it's the thing you're talking about earlier. He would do that thing specifically of of just being a guy around there to make shots, and that's part of it. They just have so many of these similar types they do, yeah, at this point, and that's the thing that that really could cost them, I think, is that the warriors have different ways in which they can play, as we saw last night, whereas the rockets, if it doesn't work out the way they play, they're they have to resort to what
0: like Chris Paul mid-range jumpers like mm-hmm. you know there's not a real lot of variety there they'll go as far as Harden will probably take them yeah which you know considering all the other options isn't a bad one
1: I wanted to check um his house's three point percentage because that's like his thing is mm-hmm. 39%
0: yeah he's a good, good we got a lot of solid dudes that's the takeaway that's the Rockets hey. right there a lot of solid dudes Rockets colon <laughs> solid dudes <laughs> All right. I just want to talk about one more thing before we go here. Uh, a lot of the teams are kind of set for the playoffs. Uh, I think the the last seed or the last two seeds in the East are pretty much up in the air. We don't know if the Magic are going to get in, if the Heat are going to get in. So get excited, Florida. Uh, but besides that, we kind of know who's in, who's not. It's really going to come down to seedings. And from that, I'm really intrigued to see if we have any upsets. Uh, I looked this up last night. Uh, as I was watching Property Brothers on HGTV, uh, unbelievable. There is an average over the past you ten could be the years. you third Property Brother. You think so? Wow, yeah, you, you're aww. wearing flannel right guys. now. Yeah, you have the beard. What, yeah,
1: what, would, sure.
0: what would my role be, though? Like um, they already have the construction guy, they have the real estate guy, they have rep. somebody to like run their website, like just to, like you know. Just oh yeah, yeah. Do, do the content. I'm IT. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they actually have a third Property Brother. Did you guys right, know this? Yeah, I didn't that know that.
1: Sucks. Can you imagine being him? <laughs>
0: I think he's. Actually, can he you imagine has being a, he,
1: trivia for your two famous brothers?
0: <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's like an impersonator from one of those like American Idol guys. Wow. Yeah. Wait,
1: he's an American Idol impersonator.
0: Yeah, like there's a specific American Idol character that I, I just don't know his name. Um, but he's a guy with like like kind of a when rocker he's guy. To be little little. Judging, yes. Judging off a of Google image search, it appears he's an Adam Lambert
2: impersonator. Yes. Thank you, wow. Bobby.
0: Wow. There's See, a lot here. We need to be like that. I <laughs> like that. Property brothers so, are overexposed. So we need to figure out my specific role there. But specifically yes. about round one upsets. Uh huh. How's that for transitions? This uh, <laughs> 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 doesn't make sense. Uh, past 10 years, there's an average of 1.9 upsets uh, in the first round specifically. Over the past three years, there's just been one. What's super interesting in a very nerdy way. Is that the five seed has upset the four seed in the West nine out of the past ten years, mm. which is like interesting it's factoid.
2: It's very like March Madness of us, right there, because we always talk about the five and the twelves and the six and the thirteen and whatnot.
0: So, based on these these deeply researched findings, which was just me going through the brackets over the past ten years, it seems like if you're the four seed in the Western Conference, you're probably going home. We'll see how the standings end up playing out. Right now, the Rockets are four, and as we just kind of alluded to, we think they're pretty dangerous in the playoff series. Five are the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, After that, it's the Spurs at six, uh, the Jazz at seven, the Clippers at eight. It seems like those teams are set, but they're pretty much, they're within a couple games of each other, so there could be a lot of movement there.
1: The Thunder could also fall. They're third right now.
0: Thunder could definitely fall. It seems like... Warriors, Nuggets are pretty set in the 1-2 spot. Next tier would probably be Thunder, Rockets, Blazers, and then Spurs, Jazz, Clippers. But again, they're all within a few games. Are there any of these teams that you think is particularly vulnerable should they end up in, like, let's say the fourth seed?
1: Well, Paula, you'd think the Nuggets, right?
0: Well, the Nuggets well, are not going to end up in the fourth, fourth seed.
1: Fourth if team. we're
2: talking about a fourth seed team, probably,
1: say probably the Blazers. The Blazers out of the yeah, the it hurts
2: me to say that because I, I, I enjoy them. But I think... They're probably the the ones with the case of like I mean we just literally saw that happen last year you know with, the, with them playing Pelicans just getting swept mm-hmm. uh, so they would probably be there as far as the overall the West I just I think the Nuggets are a little especially if well it looks like it could be either the Spurs Jazz or the Clippers right now I think all those teams are really solid and for a team that has not been you know most of the most of its main players are haven't been in the playoffs before I wonder how that could go I I. I, I I've been telling people I've been toying around with the idea of predicting an upset there, like especially if it's like the Clippers or something like that, where I just think it's a team that is so deep and solid that, um, you know, putting matchups aside could give them a little trouble. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I would
0: say like just keep an eye on the Nuggets. You hate the Nuggets. No, y- <laughs> that's the translation. Yes. Well, they did just get rid of Isaiah Thomas from. They did. From the rotation. So perhaps, that will help. Yes, I think there's a, a bit of addition by subtraction going on there. I want to believe in the Clippers. Uh, I went to their game on Monday. I thought they were just super impressive. Uh, just Zubac, Shamit, I love. Uh, my, like. I didn't realize, because I don't really follow college basketball that closely, that he was a point guard in college. Mm-hmm. And you could definitely see it when he plays, just the way that he's always like moving the ball and getting everyone involved while still doing his J.J. Redick thing. Uh, I was just blown away by that. I think the the downside would be that a lot of their key players are young guys. They're functionally starting three rookies. If you want to say that Zubach is first, well, Zubach is in his third year, right? So three youngsters essentially, two rookies right. and, and Zubach, uh, and then a lot of their best players are coming off the bench.
2: Yeah, that's it, that's kind of now that I think about it, it is a little backwards to say like. To, to harp on the Nuggets for not having playoff experience when the Clippers are starting a few young guys who also have not had playoff experience. But I do think their bench is just ridiculous to a point where, like, that cancels some of it out. Mm-hmm. And the the Nuggets are deep themselves. But, yeah, you know, there's there's a certain foundation there and identity that they already know who they are. There, You know, Lou Williams is can, can come in and drop 20, you know, on any given night. Uh, Montroseau can be forced, you know, near the rim. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think knowing who you are going to the playoffs and sort of, Highlighting those skills is what could make for a dangerous offset team.
1: Well, speaking of a uh, f- team further down in the Western Conference standings that has a lot of playoff experience there's the Jazz. Mm. I mean, they are a team that is headed by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert who is actually 26 but they're built on veterans. Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, Kyle Corver, Jay Crowder and they did it last year. And they're all, they've seemed like a team that's beyond their years together. Mm-hmm. Mostly because they did a really good job of incorporating Mitchell as the centerpiece and running things around him last year. And we we literally saw it last year. So against a young team, they could be dangerous. Yeah. Especially with the way that uh, Gobert is playing right now. That would be an interesting matchup for the Nuggets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. Uh, they've played a lot of uh, point guard lists uh, this season. You're starting to see Ricky Rubio kind of work his way back in there. He started last night. Uh, and it seemed like it had a cascading effect to where Rubio himself did not play particularly well. He was one for seven from the field, which is not great. Uh, going forward in terms of like that being a viable option, but it did you did see other guys seeming to have more because they weren't always on the ball? You could do a little bit more with your rotation. So I do think that that's a little bit of a curveball there that they could play with, and obviously the defense is always going to be there with with Rubio. Uh, but the Jazz. I uh, they just we wrote something on on the site recently, Dan Devine did that like maybe they were the sleeping giant in the NBA, just like they were last season going into the playoffs. They had just such a incredible stretch run. And it seemed like analytically that things were aligning themselves to happen again. Uh, unfortunately, over the past few games, they've kind of struggled. They let the Suns hang in there the other night. They lost to the Pelicans. Um, and I think like tonight's matchup against the Wolves. Uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific. I think that's a really interesting one, uh, just because I think the Wolves have played really feisty lately. I think Carl yeah. anthony Towns has been very good. He's starting to play like the guy we all kind of hoped he would be. I caught a lot of flack from Wolves' Twitter because I called him Nikola Vucevic Ultra. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> in, our, so in, our, in our blurbs. But, I mean, I, I just, I've always been a fan. I've just always been disappointed because I think he's the type of talent that should be in the MVP conversation. I've been saying this all year. I just, I think like you get the right solid guys around him. I think there's a chance that like they could be a a frontline team. I think he should be competing for the MVP every year. Um, So they're playing the Jazz tonight. All right, we're gonna call that one our Watch of the Night. Uh, We do this once every podcast. If you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, so any other teams that you think? could be the upset Nets. ready. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, Nets, let's the turn to the, Nets, the, Nets, turn Nets. the Let's do some Dinwiddie talk. I
1: fucking love the Nets! <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> Haley, that's tell the, us about the, the Nets. Right
1: <laughs> okay, so this is actually... It's kind of sad because they have the toughest schedule going forward and seating will depend a lot for them. Mm. I think if they can avoid... The seventh or the eighth, which would mean playing the Bucks or the Raptors, they have a real chance of upsetting someone. And I even think this is how confident I am. I even think that they would make those interesting series.
2: The seven and A seed yes. series. Yes, I agree. The Bucks, I agree. Maybe not with the Bucks, but with the Raptors. I sure, can see that
1: the the Nets core of well, I mean, Dinwiddie is a six man, but their top, their three best scorers had not played together since November until Dinwiddie came back in late, late February. And Karis LeVert is still getting back into it. You know, Dinwiddie returned from thumb surgery. So him, LeVert, and D'Angelo Russell are now the unit that they can be. And while they went through all these injuries, that's not even half of it. Other players on their roster that might have not been as important before came into focus and became pieces that are really, really going to help them. One of them, Crooks, Crooks? crooks Crooks?
2: <laughs> I love <No>. uh, One <laughs> of them
1: crooks I, really I like
2: pronouncing it. our guy Rodney. Really <laughs> guy Rodney.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, yes.
1: Rodney. Um
0: Rodney Kirks.
1: That actually has been a <laughs> He's recent change. him
2: talking
0: like about? <laughs> him into like a, a recruit from Alabama or something. <laughs> we, before, I'm throwing it back to a previous podcast where I called him Rodney Kirks.
1: Oh. <laughs> 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 um. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that he, they actually just moved him into the starting lineup, into the power forward position. And it's actually really helped one of their major issues, which is rebounding. Mm-hmm. So Kenny Atkinson is still toying with things, but I do think that even though they are inexperienced, I think that experience is the one thing that they are lacking for a team that could upset another team. Yeah. Their defense, especially over the last five games, including the Thunder game, has been has the makings of of a very solid defense. Over the last five games, they've had the best defensive rating in the NBA. It's ninety five.
2: Jared Allen is a good defensive player and <laughs> that is my
0: take so what do you think about the nets are you, are you a believer
2: yeah no i i think it, i agree with Haley that the seven eight will be tough but i do think even if they get those we're gonna watch a lot of games and be like whoa like this is a lot closer than maybe a lot of people expected because they're gonna give these teams like a tough game like just the way they play and the way they they fight if you will it, it makes it so that every team has to be on their a game to to, to you know I think with, with the Thunder game we saw they Thunder had to turn it on a little more and to to get away from them so yeah it's just
0: it's a tough matchup for a lot of teams. They I, multiple guys I think they're old. the
2: one team in the East who's only, the only team who's really got like upset potential.
0: They put a lot of pressure on teams. They play at at their own pace. They really like force teams to kind of run with them. They shoot a lot of threes, so you need the team that they're playing against is going to maybe have to hit threes and also have to be able to keep up with what they could do there.
1: They also have a go-to finisher.
0: Also have a go-to finisher. In that regard, I'm a little dubious. Uh, They have had injuries, so some of their season-long statistics uh, aren't particularly reliable. They have a minus 0.1 point differential, which is like it's not great. It doesn't suggest that they're like a sleeping giant or anything. I also don't truly trust D'Angelo Russell. I know he's come a long way this year, but I saw even in that Thunder game, I remember one crucial possession. He essentially airballed it, uh, just coming out down those court and just like jacking it. I just, I think he has the ability to shoot them into games, but I think more often than not, he might shoot. Yeah, them Yeah, the of young them. person problem. Right. But I
1: do think that having Levert and Dinwiddie there, and the attitude and the aggression that they have, is is yeah. really good backup.
2: And the thing is, is like this is all icing on the cake of our of our already successful season. Just the right. way they played, and the fact right. they're going to be in the playoffs, even you know. But so. hopefully,
1: they can stay in the sixth seed
2: to make it interesting. Yeah, to make definitely. it interesting.
1: Yeah. But, oh, and also I checked over the last five games, including the Thunder loss, they've had a 95.5 defensive rating. That's insane.
0: It's pretty good. All right. You All say, right. You pretty do, good podcast. You want to say Kourouks one more time? Kurooks. <laughs> On that Jesus note, Christ. for Paolo, <laughs> for Ailey, for Bobby, and for me. Basketball is very good. Ball is very good.